Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Even to Joanne here. Time for another second cup because one cup of us is just not enough, Joanne. There you go. We got a great podcast coming your way today. We got Kirk Gibson coming in. I am so Tiger excited. Tiger Kirk Gibson. We're going to have to ask him about that home run, you know, in 84. That oh, kind of like can't forget things. that, right? His oh, arms up in the man. air. Of course, his, his latest opponent is Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And he's doing amazing work to raise money and all that for Parkinson's. So in just a little while, he's coming in the studio. We're going to talk to him about that. Also, your favorite uh, 90s sitcoms. That yeah. was a great year for sitcoms. And there's so many great ones out there. So we're going to talk about which ones kind of rank the highest in different places, not just which ones were the best ones. Plus, yeah. there's some controversy on the list because there's one... Oh, that was left off the one list? One sitcom that was left off that Ridiculous. arguably is a 90s sitcom. And what's the deal with that? It started in late, late, late 1989. 80s. All right. So we'll Ridiculous. talk about that. But first, you have been very busy this week, Stephen. I was out yesterday at mm-hmm. Dodge Park Number no. 5 in Commerce yes. to get an update on uh, Scarlet's Park. I got to show you around. Now, your first impression when you saw it, because I've been talking about this. You've known me, well, for 20 years. But yeah. for the last three years, we've been raising a million dollars to build this. So you've been hearing me talk about it oh, for the yeah. last three years. So when you actually saw the bill, what was your first thought? I don't know what in the world are they doing because it's so out of memory. No, we ask ourselves that a lot, too. <laughs> well, no, I'm telling you when you're not in the construction business or the creating a playground business, it's it's a marvel to watch them put all yeah. all of you guys dig these holes and put the pieces in and the, the support system, and you are creating a playground from nothing. It's amazing. Well, the the just to take a little backtrack on this, Scarlet Smile is named after Scarlet, my granddaughter, six years old with spinal muscular atrophy. Essentially, she doesn't have any muscles. She's missing yeah. a gene that builds muscles, so it puts her in a wheelchair. So, But she's like every other kid. She just wants to have fun. Yes. And we found that the playgrounds that are built for what you quote, unquote, special needs kids tend to be isolated. They put them over a different area to kind of keep them away from other kids on their playground. I don't think that's done on purpose. No, no they, they, I think the thought was, well, you know, we need to keep them safe. You know, like you got to put them over here. But the problem is, it, it causes another kind of damage. It's Absolutely. an isolation. Yes. And so Scarlett quickly recognized this that she was on one playground and all the other kids were on the other, and she wanted to play with them. But their playground is not accessible. Right. And so she couldn't play on their playground. So we decided there has to be a way to redesign it. So my wife and I, for the last three years, kind of started coming up with this idea of putting the playgrounds together. So all kids can basically access all equipment. So kids who don't need uh, special equipment are fine. They can still run and jump and climb and all the other things. But the kids who do need that equipment, the ramps and so forth, have access to that. But they're all in the same place at the same time. And it's a rather unusual design. There are a few around the country that we've used as models. Um, but this has been really ambitious, and there's nothing like it. I can absolutely guarantee you nothing like it in Michigan. It is. It's phenomenal to see. And we did a Facebook Live from there mm-hmm. on a Tuesday morning. 
So you, you can get an idea if you haven't checked that out. It's uh, on WMC's Facebook page right. and mine too and yours too. Uh, you can check out what it looked like on Tuesday. Yeah, now, you may be fast. listening to this podcast days and days from now, and you're hoping within days to have this thing up, Steve. Yeah, now, by, all by the pieces in place. Uh, Friday, the end of the week of August 12th, we're supposed to pretty much have all of the equipment in place. Now, there's going to probably be a little minor things that have to be done. But you got to keep in mind, in order to put this thing in, I, I lost track, but I think we have about almost 400 post holes. Wow. Over a, it's almost three-quarters of an acre. 400 post holes, and these all have to be 12 inches around and at least 40-inch deep. Some of them are five feet deep wow. because they have these huge, uh, basically, umbrella structures that go up yeah. above the whole playground. And these steel pipes alone are like 250 pounds. And, and so I'm out there just hauling these pipes around with other guys, putting them in these holes and then getting everything set. It's got a, a, a ton of ramping. It's got more ramping than any playground you've ever seen. But that's because then people exactly. with wheelchairs can, like, like Have Scarlet, access to the whole thing. You got it. It's so, really magical, and it's to see the progress for all your hard work, you and Loren. It was really just so heartening yesterday when I saw it. It's so, literally blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. I haven't really bled a lot. I cried a little. Well, you uh, did break my, your finger. So. I think I broke my I don't know if I broke my finger. I've got a splint on it right now. My sister's a doctor, and she just retired last week. Yeah. And is out visiting us and been watching this progress. And so she was looking at my finger very seriously. And she goes, um, you need to go to the hospital and get that x-ray. And I said, okay, what's that x-ray going to tell me? Well, tell me if it's broken. I said, okay, so if it's broken, what would you do? Oh, we put a splint on it. I'd say, okay, let's say it's not broken. It's just like sprained. Right. What would you do? Uh, we put a splint on it. <laughs> I said, okay, so I just put a splint on it. She goes, well, you may need surgery. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so if you decide I need surgery, what would you do? Well, we put a splint on it for a while. <laughs> and then, so I said, Bottom okay, line, he's got a splint I got on a it. splint on my finger. And, and I have to kind of take it off during the day because it really gets in the way. But I'm okay. You know, but I, it's it's this very small price to pay. Yes, it is for what you guys are doing. So, so we'll Scarlet's keep you posted Park, on that. It's you can amazing. also check that out, by the way, at scarletsmile.org. And there's only one T in Scarlet. Okay. So scarletsmile.org. Yeah, and you can buy a brick, oh, a yeah. commemorative brick, which is really neat, 200 bucks, and it'll go on the outside along the pathway. See how mm-hmm. much I know about this? You do. Well, I've been talking about hey, it. Exactly. How can't I? Hey, let's get to these 90s sitcom now. sitcoms now. Okay. All right, so... Um, we're going to go in reverse order here? Yeah, let's do this. This okay. was put together by like Ranker and Dish Network, and they were looking at like the top 90, 90 sitcoms and then the most popular sitcom by, by state. state. Okay. okay. So first, let's uh, the 10th. I loved this one, okay. The King of Queens. Before we even get into which yep. was most popular in what state, The King of Queens. I thought that was a good show. I there, loved there was, that uh, one. Kevin Hart. Uh, Kevin. Yes. Um, it, it, uh, it, not the other Kevin. No, no. Kevin. The other yeah. Kevin. Darn it. <laughs> the bigger dude remember. who's in Mall Cop. I know. I, know. I, I just can't remember. Paul Blart. I know. Right? Exactly. In Mall Cop. Okay. That is a, I love that show. Then Roseanne came in number nine. Roseanne. The original Roseanne. Yeah. Rose, original, original Roseanne. Sure. But let's back up for one second. And let you know that you're not going to like to hear this, but no. um, Seinfeld is not on this list What's because the they knew it would come in number one. Oh, and yeah. they said because it kicked off in 1989. But it was well, like like November of 1980. And like it a- ran all during the 90s. So exactly. I don't we don't get that at all. But so you're not going to find that on the list, even though I think most but people it's number would put one that in number one. Yes. Okay, the Simpsons come in at number eight. I can't believe it was even on in the 80s. It's been on so 90s, long. 90s. Or 90s, rather. Yeah, it has been on for a long time. Yeah. Boy Meets World. I yep. never watched that one. Red Savage. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was, I did That was regular Friday night watching for my family. Yeah. I mean, I was usually at work, but then my wife and kids would always watch Boy Meets World. Okay. Number six was Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh-huh. You know, there's one issue I have with, with a lot of sitcoms, though. What's that? I share it because it was in Everybody Loves Raymond. What, the guys, they always make the guys, the dads, out to be stupid. Kind of. 
Aren't we? No, you're not. And I know. <laughs> see? No, that that is true. Right? They're, they're and usually kind of clueless. And the women are usually making clueless, and the women are and like the kid, making fun of me. They've always got one kid that's smarter than all of them. I don't know. I I I, I haven't always loved that kind of formula, and that's why, um, according to Jim, do you remember mm-hmm. that one? Yep. I liked that one. And uh, uh, Last Man Standing. Yep. There's a respect among the married, uh, among right. Tim Allen and his wife in Last Man Standing, that I really appreciate. They ha- they rib each other, and there's a lot of jokes between them. But there's a respect, and it's not like totally like, oh, you're dumb, and I'm not. But one of your favorites is the middle, right? And so how that kind of play? Because he was a, he was always portrayed as just a bit like clearly. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were both. Exactly, they, that's what I'm they, saying. Then the kid was the smartest <laughs> in the group. Correct. I guess. I did yeah. love the middle. I, right. I love that show. But we, we digress. All right, yes, we do. Se- this, that 70s show is number five. Which I think is funny in the 90s that that 70s show is the top one. But it was it was actually a brilliantly done show. All right, you know what comes in at number four? Home Improvement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tim Allen again. Okay. I, I yeah. love Home Improvement. Came in number four. Right. Now, they're rebooting that, aren't they? I heard Are that they? they're, they're considering a reboot of Home Improvement. But Tim Allen's doing Last Man Standing. How I know. Do that? He'll do two of them. <laughs> Maybe. He'll be the last man standing. Okay. Frasier came in at number three. Frasier, good show. And that was a spinoff, of course, from Cheers. Yes. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, Number two. But interestingly, uh-huh. that did not come in as the most popular in Pennsylvania, which Philadelphia, of course. Was where? No, 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 no. Remember, he mentions Philadelphia. It takes place Well, which there. is funny because uh, Home Improvement did come in number one in Michigan, which is where it was based, allegedly. It did. So uh-huh. Home Improvement was the number one most popular sitcom in, in the state of Michigan, which makes country, makes sense sure. to me. Right. And the number one sitcom, which means that it was the most popular in the in most states. Like 12 states or something. Can like you that. guess it? I think it has to be Friends. It is Friends. Yeah. Yeah, number one. Yeah. Now, if it was Seinfeld, I think Seinfeld would have, like, if you would have included that in the mix, I think that would have run Seinfeld away with it. Seinfeld 1, that. then Friends 2, and then kind of down that Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Friends was uh, friends was number one. So now you know. And All you right. have my take on the formula for sitcoms. All right. <laughs> now time for our special guest. So happy to have with us this morning Tiger great Kurt Gibson, along with uh, Jeff Latham, the chairperson of the Michigan Parkinson Foundation. Thanks, both of you guys, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You are here for an amazing cause and an amazing reason, a great fundraiser you've got coming up to help with Parkinson's. Um, but first, if we can. Well, Kurt. first of all, we got to start in 1984. I mean, you got to when you talk to Kurt Gibson. you got to talk about that home run. Well, uh, the the start of that home run happened my first major league at bat, who I volunteered to hit off Goose Gossage, <laughs> who's the best closer in the game, uh, and he struck me out on three pitches in about 25 seconds. It didn't take long. Uh, and I did not have very good success over the next five years against him. I think I was one for 15 with nine or ten strikeouts. And we met again in the World Series, and I had always dreamed about getting him when it counted, so... It worked out well. That's why you keep on dreaming, and uh, it sealed the World Series, and I was just fortunate to be in that moment and fortunate to be on such a good team. I don't think any of us will ever forget the shot that was in the papers the next day of you running around the bases with your arms up. Well, now that I have Parkinson's, it's changed a little bit. It's more of a why. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, uh, not to make light of that, but, um, again, it was a special moment, and that picture captures – not just what I accomplished, but uh, if you look in behind and look at the faces of the fans and stuff, it's incredible. It was. Your baseball career has taken you so many places since then. Uh, talk a little bit about what Kirk Gibson has been up to. Obviously, we listen to you on the radio, so we know. Yeah. But TV. what happens between TV. those radio broadcasts? I'm sorry, TV. the TV broadcast. Talk about what happens then. 
Well, I've kind of done the gamut. Imagine me being in the media because I was known to be somewhat gruff when I during my playing days. But that's just because I was intense and I was focused and I was the way I was to be um, on task when I put my uniform on. But um, since then, I've been a coach. I've been a manager. And I've done TV uh, analyst work for Fox Sports Detroit. And uh, I'm now also working in for Al Avila, the general manager for the Tigers, in an advisory role. So I'll do the TV tonight, and I'll run over to Erie, Pennsylvania for two or three days and um, you know evaluate because you have to make decisions. Obviously, the Tigers are in a rebuilding mode, and uh, hopefully I can shed some positivity and some light on some young men that will get us back to the 84 feeling. Is it tough for you to watch a season like this, or do you, is it just this, this is part of rebuilding, it is what it is, don't get too upset about it? It is what it is um, to an extent. Um, it's tough because you feel for the guys. They put so much effort in there, and you want them to learn. And then you have you – know, I've been in professional baseball since 1978, so my ability, physical ability, has waned, but my wisdom and knowledge is gained just through experiences and through being touched by so many great gentlemen, men and women um, that have passed upon me what they learned and you, what you want to do is you want to try and help at the same time. It took me all these years to learn that. And I have to have an understanding that they are, it's going to take time for them. But if you can help accelerate that, it'll help us get to the promised land sooner. Now the game has changed a lot. So what do you look for in a modern player and how is it different from the days you played? I'm more of a character guy. Uh, I I'm looking who's going to help us win the tie break. You know, how do you, when you see a guy, he runs around and he slides into a base and he's just out or he's just safe. Why? And those are the things that I've always focused on as a, as a, a competitor. How do you beat somebody that's better than you? It happens all the time. So um, that's my niche. That's my angle. I always saw myself as performing better in those situations and at my best, and I try and pass that on. The game is, they say it's changed. But in reality, it, it hasn't. There's rules. Um, the thing that's unique about baseball, if you look at every other sport, everything's defined. The rinks are all pretty much the same. The basketball courts are always the same. It's 10-foot. Baseball, it's not that way. Um, you know, there's the dimensions change. Everything changes the way the ball comes in, the angles. And uh, it's, a, it's a unique ball game. And uh, some people say it's boring. But um, you know, is chess boring? I mean, I I call it challenging. You want to you, you want to play cards? You want to play fish, or you want to play bridge? I mean, it's right. just how engaging you want to be. It's very challenging, and it's a checker game that's uh, amazing and fun to play. You know, you bring up a great point. You know, you got your football fields the exact same size everywhere. You've got different ballparks, and it, it's you know you got to hit it a lot farther at Comerica Park than you have to at another park to hit a home run. Yeah, but it allows you other benefits. The doubles and the triples are going to be more there. You can base hits are going to be more so. Contact is more important, and then outfield defense is going to be important. So you, know, you always look at the rules of the game. You look at your opponent. You look at the task. Uh, you know, do you feel 100%? Do you feel 80%? You know, somehow you got to find a way to put the barrel on the ball, put backspin on the ball. If you're at the plate, you have to find a way to catch the ball. You have to pick it up. You have to make a good throw to Trammell or Whitaker. <laughs> so they can, you know, they're their they're best athletes. And, um, you know, most of all, you have to stay motivated and you have to be committed and you have to have 
um, perseverance and, you know, you can say that you do, but you will be tested over time to find out if you can do it. Now, this brings us into the subject that we're here to talk about. You talk about being motivated. Uh, you've got to per, uh, persevere. You've got to beat an opponent that may be stronger than you are. So here we are, um, Parkinson's. Talk about how you found out you had Parkinson's and what you've done with that opponent since then. First of all, I wanted to say, and there's maybe many people or a few people that are going to, this, this statement's going to make sense to, I tried to deny it for many for many for many years mm-hmm. I was diagnosed in 2015 but I um, can think back to 2007 when I was shaving with my right hand and my left hand started to clutch and I thought that makes no sense at all and this little signs came on and I kind of tried to write them off as athletic injuries I didn't want to admit it and then it all culminated on opening day of 2015 when I was on live TV and I virtually was locked up with anxiety, something that I'd never really experienced before. And uh, when I felt the anxiety at my tremor would start, my hand would start clutching up. And that, at that day, I decided that I was going to go over uh, and call a friend of mine, Peter Secchia, in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he got me in, and I was diagnosed really in two days that I had Parkinson's disease. And then what? You know, mm. uh, you know first, your first thoughts are, think you're going to die. You don't really, I wasn't very aware of what the disease was. So that's certainly something that we want to um, promote that we want people to understand and be aware of signs, not only that they may have, but uh, others may have, Um, you know, then where do you go from there? You see a doctor, there are medicines that you can take, there are therapies that you can take. And, um, you know, you have to you have to decide, just like any other foe, that you're going to stand up to him or not. You're going to get socked. You got to get up. It's a, a mental disease as well. I, I'm I'm just saying that as a figure of speech. It's a neurological disease that affects your movements and um, your coordination. And um, you know, mentally, it's tough because uh, you know I see myself as an elite athlete, and all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself. You think you're invincible, but you're not. And, um, you know, you got to decide whether you're going to get up and try and kick back or whether you're going to succumb to it. And then the other part of the disease is caregivers. Who's going to take care of you and you feel like you're burdening them? And it's it's very, very tough mentally. You feel guilty about it. And uh, there are ways to deal with that as well. So um, I started my foundation, the Kirk Gibson Foundation, in 1996. I uh, awarded partial scholarships to four uh, men and women at Clarkson High School and Waterford Kettering High School. I've been doing that, but I redirected it at that time, and we've raised about $3 million, and we've got a lot of money at work to help people deal with um, the news they may get and research as well. That's fantastic. How are you doing today? It's been four years since you were diagnosed. Uh, I'm fine. I, I know what I'm up against. Uh, I get frustrated at times. I try and stay and move. I stay try and stay moving. Um, I try and, well, first of all, when, when you are diagnosed, most people are going to try and hide it. I came right out because I knew that was a burden on my mind because people are going to look at it and they're going to say, Oh, what's wrong with Gibby? You know, he's, because you, you, my speech is, it's tough. Like I have to do, uh, speech therapies and, you know, I, so before my, um, 
I go on the air sometimes, I go do the ahs and the ah, mm-hmm. all that stuff, and Matt Shepard's looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> or I may up. have to do it in the middle. Of, yeah, I may have to do it in the middle of the game, but in that, and you have to work on your posture. So um, I'm, I'm doing good. It's a challenge. I've taken it on, but more so what I've taken on in, in, in conjunction with Michigan Parkinson's Foundation and Jeff Latham right here, we've joined together. To, I've always believed in teamwork. I've always believed if you're doing a puzzle, we've all done them and we've all gotten stuck. And mm-hmm. Jeff walks by and puts one piece in, and the next thing I put the next 10 mm-hmm. in. I just think together we can achieve more, and that's why we've formed this collaboration. And uh, we're going to have this gala on October 19th. And uh, you can go to evsp.org. It stands for Everybody versus Parkinson's. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get together and we will help people make people aware what Parkinson's disease is, and we'll be there to help them if they are diagnosed. We'll talk more about that gal in just a second, but since you've introduced uh, Jeff Latham, the chairman of Michigan Parkinson's Foundation, we'll bring him on in here. Uh, Jeff, what does it mean to have a guy like Gibby on board with your mission? Because I I know with a a foundation, raising money is a tough thing to do. you got to convince people, first of all, to care. And now you got one of the most beloved athletes in Detroit history right there beside you helping you make that pitch. Uh, having a champion uh, for not only the the baseball but the fundraising is incredible. It it brings such an energy to the fundraising efforts, and uh, it's a lot easier to uh, get into the door of some place when you say, uh, "Kirk and I would like to uh, meet with you today." So that has been that's been amazing. And the other piece of it for me is uh, my father uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's in his mid forties and passed away at sixty one. And I represent the other side. The uh, the patient advocate uh, taking care of my father through that time. So talking about that puzzle fitting together, I see the other side of, of how it affects families, and, uh, and uh, it's just a great collaboration to, to see both sides of it because it is, um, it, it is uh, quite, quite a connection between the yeah, two of them. It's, it's a journey, and for mm. caregivers, it is so difficult. Are there resources out there? Are there enough of them for caregivers, Jeff? We, we could always use more. There's over 30,000 people with Parkinson's in Michigan. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been our mission and what Kirk's mission as well uh, on top of research is um, support groups uh, across the state of Michigan. Um, even things that you don't think of, nursing homes don't know how to take care of Parkinson patients properly because there's so many different, uh, uh, different things that happen within the disease. So education programs, uh, respite care, in-home respite care, um, again, the support groups, uh, there's just so much that can be done. Uh, and uh, when you think about it, north of Flint, there isn't a single movement specialist north of Flint in, in the entire state of Michigan. So there's people that need to have communication and understand uh, when you're outside of the big city areas of the, of, uh, the lower peninsula. So a lot, a lot is needed. And that need requires money to fill. And, I, and I'm going to assume that's what the, uh, the Everybody versus Parkinson's Gala is all about, is trying to get some of that money. Uh, to help out and, and get these services. So, uh, uh, Kirk, if you can give us a, uh, a little preview of that party. And I say party because it's a celebration of people coming together to fight something. Yeah, well, it's it's a gala. It's going to be at Motor City Casino on October 19th, and um, we're working to make it unique and special for people that come. We obviously want it to be upbeat, but at the same time, we want to make people aware of what Parkinson's disease is about and what do you do when um, you are diagnosed or you think somebody may be diagnosed where they, where they can go. And then their options, you have uh, different, um, you can take different medicine, you can do 
therapy. Um, you know, uh, I my foundation is supported um, uh, and is supporting a nurse navigator program where people that don't have somebody to help them, it's a nurse navigator program which takes them through the whole process and they are there for them. Uh, and then I also, uh, when I went to a movement specialist and got into a therapy session, it's called uh, Big and Loud. You're doing, uh, you learned how to do movements and to correct your posture and you learned how to correct your voice and utilize that properly. But the way insurance is, um, these programs that I'm mentioning, it's just not as easy as everybody's insurance is going to cover it because it doesn't. That's another one of the problems. And we created the post, what's called the EVSP program, which is the post big and loud program where insurance does not cover it, where it's, uh, it's paid for. And I've started that pilot program. It's been going for two and a half years now. It's been highly successful. And a lot of my work started in West Michigan because I raised my first thing was a, a Gibby and Sparty versus Parkey function mm-hmm. at the Michigan State Notre Dame game uh, two and a half years ago. And we raised a million three. We put that to work over in Grand Rapids. But many of these pilots that we start now with the collaboration with Jeff and his organization, the Michigan Parkinson's Foundation, now we're coming together and we're going to get those programs over here in, in, in the Detroit side as well. So, um, you know, it's important. It, it's confusing to many. And the, the gala will be a good time. We'll come in. Uh, we'll have a VIP reception, obviously. You always have those, and uh, we'll mm-hmm. have a strolling dinner with some educational things that go on. And we'll move over into the soundboard, and we'll have some entertainment. And uh, we'll get to see Kirk Gibson dance with Parkinson's, too. That's oh. not an ugly sight. But uh, Jeff will teach me how I do <laughs> we, we both decided that we like to have a good time and listen to great music, so we really think it's going to be an exciting event. Yes. Yeah, so oh, it's going to be great It'll fun. be special. Yeah. God bless you for what you do. You know, you've taken you've been given here and really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. Well, I, you know, my uh, late mentor, Sparky Anderson, the one thing he beat into all of us was make sure that you don't forget how you got to where you are and you make sure that you give back. And I can still see him pointing that finger at me. And if you're thinking about not doing that, he'd shake it. No, no, (laughs) that's not going to work here. So he taught us how to be professional and I needed it. And he taught me how to give back. And, uh, it feels good to be that way. Well, back in 84, we saw you beat Goose, so we know you can do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can beat him, but I'm going to fight him good. And, <laughs> you know, uh, I had a thing happen to me when I was with the Dodgers. Um, and Jesse Orozco put eye black in my hat, and I was so <laughs> mad and because they were screwing around, and Sparky always had us so serious. So I stood in front of them the next day and, um, articulated why it bothered me. You know, it was our first spring training game. Um, I thought it was. I, I thought it was like the seventh game of the World Series. <laughs> so he 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 put that in my hat, and I told those guys. I said, "Yeah, I'm here to win ball games. That's winning is fun to me. Um, and uh, you'll see in the end that I'm going to be the best teammate ever. And I said I'll sacrifice and do whatever I have to do, and basically challenge them all to come at me. And I said. No, I'll, you go ahead and beat me up. I don't care. I'll sacrifice to show you. But by the way, I will get four or five of you guys. So, if you guys <laughs> so that's kind of the way we take it. I'll, I'm going to lead the charge the best I can, and we'll take uh, as much of Parky that we can. We're, we're committed to trying to find a cure, but in the meantime, how do you care for yourself and for your loved ones that do have it? Kirk Gibson, Jeff Latham, thank you both for spending some time with us. 
Thank you. Thank you. Once again, evsp.org for ticket information and all the details about the great gala coming up. That was a good rehearsal, guys. Go ahead and uh, (laughs) 